You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We're the answers. Hello and welcome to Elsner a production of Galactic Networks. I'm Gregor Sprague. And I'm am I Corey Scott? I've I've heard rumors that I wasn't anymore. <laughs> You're his LMD. What? Uh, for all info on this show, including show notes and subscription links, go to elsners.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, go to GNCasts.com. On Elsnerds, we're gonna we're gonna spoil things, we're gonna swear at you, we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of things that are probably gonna piss you off. So enjoy. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Corey, how you been? It's been a while. Well, I, I just want to say on a on a very serious um kind of dark note is our our hearts and and our our love goes out to our producer Beatmaster who is currently in a demilitarized zone in Sweden. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's a lot of trouble going on out there, and uh, and 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 we love you, man. We we just hope you make it. And and I would like to say on a super serious note here um happy birthday dave nelson um you will be missed oh (laughs) but no um but yeah so apparently i mean you know beat has fallen victim to the uh fake news thing uh, that trump has so elegantly put also fell victim to my fake news because he's in switzerland not in sweden but i don't give a shit (laughs) yeah (laughs) it hacks hey excuse me I did not say this that this was the thing. I just merely forgot what flag was being flown in that. But today it, we are recording on Dave's birthday. So in all seriousness, happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday, um, Dave. Thanks yes. for putting up with us somehow. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, let's just get right into the news because I need to unwind from work. And yeah, stuff. And like I need to get wound up from 48 hours of sleeping. Yes. So this is the Else News, uh, the Else News, Else News of the week, and the we have two news stories, but they have bunch of minor like sub stories in between them. The first one is that essentially all the the main cast of Marvel's Runaways has been cast, starting with the um with the kids, the main the kids, kids, the actual Runaways. Yeah, the actual runaways. Um, you have, um, and I'm going to butcher names, so I apologize right now. But Renzi Felis, you might know him from Casual and Teen Wolf, who will play Alex Wilder. Um, then you have uh, uh, Lyrica Akona from The Affair and Unforgettable as Nico Minoru. Um, Virginia Gardner from Goat and Little Bitches as Carolina Dean. Um, Ariella uh, Barrer from New Girl and One Day at a Time as Gert Yorks. Um, I ha- I'm like, wait, One Day at a Time. I knew this one here. She played the daughter's best friend in there on the, the Netflix version, not the original version. And then uh, Greg, yeah, Greg Sultan. She's not hanging around with Valerie Bertinelli in the 70s, yeah. coming back to play a teenager in 2017. <laughs> She's a wizard. Um, I mean, Valerie but, Bertinelli looks pretty young, but that's still something to pull off. That's some Marvel yeah. magic right there. That is some grade A fucking uh, Michael Douglas and Ant-Man shit happening, if that's the case. <laughs> yes. Um, the next one, Greg Sulkin will be uh, from Faking It, Don't Hang Up, Antisocial. He'll be playing Chase Stein. Um, 
and then the one who got the most rejiggering of the uh, runaways, um, Allegra Acosta from a hundred things to do before high school, and just add magic, will be playing Molly Hernandez. Um, Molly Hernandez, you- not an actual character from the the original Runaways. It was Molly Hayes. Molly Hayes typically portrayed younger in the comics, and also something that's difficult to deal with in this uh, context is a mutant in the comics. And I don't know if that's something they're going to necessarily be able to bring across or want to bring across to the show, tying in mutants to it. But already there's so much ingrained into who these characters are into the mainstream Marvel universe. It'll be interesting to see how they play that out um, as we, we get to know them. And as Greg is about to mention, uh, get to know their parents. Yeah, and um, uh, real quick, because I was sort of curious as to this, but um, um, Allegra Acosta, she's actually 14 years old. So, you know, she is considerably younger than a lot of the other, um, a lot of the other actors who will be, you know, who will be playing the kids. But yeah, and then they also cast the parents of the Runaways. You have Ryan Sands from Hat Hair and The Wire um, playing Jeffrey Wilder. These are um alex wilder's parents and then angel parker from the people versus oj simpson and the strain as Catherine wilder um britney Ishib- um ishibashi from this is us teenage mutant ninja turtles out of the shadows as tina minoru um and then james uh yagashi from breakfast at tiffany's on broadway and madam secretary they're playing nico minoru's parents <clears throat> Um, Kevin Wiseman from Hello Ladies and Alias as Dale Yorks um, and uh, Bridget uh, Brennig from Army Wives and True Colors as Stacey Yorks. Um, the, they are uh, Gertrude uh, Gert's parents. Annie Wershing from Timeless and Vampire Diaries as Leslie Dean um, and Kit Pardue from Remember the Titans and Ray Donovan. As Frank Dean, they are um, Carolina Dean's parents. And then um, James Marsters from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel um, is playing Victor Stein. And Ever Carradine um, from The Handmaid's, T- or Handmaid's Tale and Goliath as Janet Stein. Um, these are uh, who the uh, Chase Stein's parents. That explains why they cast greg sulkin in my eyes because uh greg sulkin is one of the ones that i know the most of, well not know the most but i've seen the most of him because he was in um the disney channel show um the fuck is uh wizards of waver the place and i look at this i'm like i pictured chase stein when i read the comic and i have the first volume up on my bookshelf above me here as more nerdy he's more amber crombie model then you know the the when you think of the nerd um you know i don't person. know I, when i when i read the comics i saw chase as more of an all-around not exactly jocktacular but a popular guy a pretty confident guy and and that's part of what the uh relationship between him and gert is and and this i will mention that uh one of my friends who has cosplayed Gert and everything was kind of upset with the Gert casting because Gert is a larger character and there are not 
a lot of characters like that in, in representation in comics and a big exploration of her character was her relationship with Chase. And it yep. was explored. It was purposely explored by Brian K. Vaughn that the, the, the bigger girl gets the guy in this comic. He wanted that to be part of the story. Um, and so there's some, some complaints and, and, and realistically some understandable complaints about the portrayal of is the, the actress who's playing Gert, is she going to bulk up for this role? Is that something they're even going to approach in this? And, and it's always kind of hard to say how well these things transfer from comics to screen. Uh, the other one being Molly, obviously. We'll have to see how any of this passes along. And there's there's also the question of the expectations of we know at this point what the storyline is for The Runaways when it first starts out. We know uh, the, the backstory of the characters. We know some of the reveals that happen. And when you're trying to move this over to the, the TV show, are they going to follow that in, in the same steps? Are they going to do a, a little bit different? How is that going to play out? Um, because there's some pretty major things that happen, which I don't that I don't want to spoil for anybody. If you've never read Runaways, it is to me one of the best books to come out of Marvel in the last uh, well since the 2000s started. I, I think it's easily yeah. one of the best books, but it's also because it was kind of in its own little world while picking what it needed to out of the Marvel universe. It got to exist kind of standing alone, and it lost track. I think more when it got involved in crossover stuff. And now all the characters have been kind of spread to the ashes. It's, it's, mm -hmm. you see Nico in a force, uh, you see Carolina and other stuff, but rarely do you see these characters, uh, as the team that they once were or getting follow up to their story. It's now been like, well, we'll, we'll just utilize them in these other things. And I don't, really love that i mean it made sense at the time to do crossovers with the young avengers because they were the other kind of premier teen comic happening at that point um but this this was something different this was something special and i know that when brian left the book uh it made it tough for it to continue there were some other people who came out and wrote uh terry moore did a storyline on it joss whedon did a storyline on it and, and they were hit or miss with with what people felt as far as how it dealt with things that had happened before but it was still, it was a very beloved book uh, and beloved characters. And I'm excited to see it hit the screen. I'm just, I, I have concerns, but I, I don't really know what to expect. And yeah. and these are certainly some good people that have put it into this. Uh, James Marsters is the one that I'm most familiar with because obviously I was a big Buffy and Angel fan and Spike kicked ass. Uh, and James is kicked ass and other things. So I hope he gets to sing. But just in general, I, I look forward to this, but I'm as trepidatious of it as I am any Marvel series coming to TV at this point, uh, with one exception we'll get to later. It, at least I, the problem is I care about this so much yeah. that I feel w more worried about this than I do about, say, Cloak and Dagger, mm -hmm. who are characters that I'm, I've long-term familiarity with, but I mostly don't care about. Yeah. Um, I will say because these, I I credit the Runaways for where Glenn is the one who got me over the tipping point to just read comic books all the goddamn time. Runaways and Ultimate Spider-Man were the first two um, books that got that I would pick up. Um, I don't. I'm not going to say regularly because that's you know that's not really the case, but that I would 
go to the bookstore and try to find, but uh, you know, before I realized there's a comic book store, um, and try to find the trade paperbacks of them or go into Target because I think I got uh this Marvel Age thing. I think I got it from Target that has the first issue of the Runaways in there. Um, if I remember correctly, actually, I'm gonna grab it since it's right here. I think it's a flip issue with uh X Men. Oh no, it's just straight up. Yeah, it's that the full. I think it's the whole first volume, actually. Um, Pride and Joy. Yeah, from... and and when you say Ultimate Spider-Man, do you mean when it was still Peter, or do you mean when it changed over to Miles? Uh, very first with Peter. The, yeah, I, I mean, have, yeah, I've got like volume one, three, five, seven, something like that. Like it's it's weird numbering with what I have. <laughs> Those are two very incredible series who have jumped in on at that point in time, in particular, because they were new. Obviously, Spider-Man. We knew who Spider-Man was, but it was a modern retelling of the character. It was in the Ultimate Universe. They got to do things very differently. Uh, Brian Bendis was writing it, and and just had a and vaguely drawing it was was incredible. Um, they just had a very great, unique way of telling Peter's story that was both true to the origins of the character and uh, made sense for today's readers. Uh, and then Runaways, again, you know, it it's like, this is so 100% Marvel, except it's not Marvel universe that you've explored before. It's not Marvel characters that you know. It, it It's something different. And I think that that was really incredible. You look at what Marvel's doing right now, which is they're replacing a lot of their main characters with new people in the roles. Uh, that's a little bit different. Also, the amount of characters that are coming out that are somehow tied into this Inhumans event. I don't know if that is as appealing to me because of the fact that it all kind of stems from the same stuff and it, it's it's almost it's not exactly regurgitation but it's not original ideas and at this point in time what vaughn did on this is there was original ideas uh not far from that time although a very different book was uh warren ellis and Stuart emman uh doing next wave which an mm -hmm. another book that greatly explored what the marvel universe had and was but did new and interesting things with it and didn't really go into the mainstream books. It got to exist on its own and that made it a little bit more spectacular, I think. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. And, and I did get this at target cause I was looking through at the, um, you know, cause they had the also available part here, but then you flip it over where you actually get the, you know, the splash page where it tells you every, what everything's at. And not at the bottom, it said, Target runways, pride and joy. I'm like, wait, Target? I'm like, oh, okay, it must have been from Target. You know, a Target exclusive thing that they had at the time. Um, but no, I'm I am excited. I said this in the pre-show. I feel like the casting for um uh Alex's parents and Nico's parents seems pretty spot on. And actually for, I'll even say for Nico um herself. I will agree with your friend on Gert, the casting of Gert. Like I saw her, and I'm like, she seems a little skinny. Like I remember Gertrude being, you know, bigger, and all that. So yeah, Gert, Gert definitely was uh, a larger character, which didn't make her. And I, I want to be very clear about this: it didn't make her less attractive. It was just that was a characteristic of her. Uh, at the same time, uh, Glenn, who uh, you shouldn't tell about this show 
did mention in in reply to my friend uh, who I was having a discussion with on Facebook when I first saw this news, he said that the young lady that they picked to play Gert is excellent on the One Day at a Time remake. Yes. It's on Netflix right now. And he thinks that she'll do a very good job at it. And I've looked and I've seen pictures of stuff online of her and I can I can see that she might be able to nail the attitude. And to me, that's that's a big essential as well, as well as a look. But I I get why the look on this character in particular is so important because there's unfortunately not a lot of examples of that. And I think that that's yeah. unfortunate. And I get why if you felt like this is a character you connected with because they made you feel represented in comics, to not see that happen when they go to the screen is a big deal. I, I agree. I completely agree. Yep, definitely. Our, our next story is an umbrella story here, folks. It's, it's about umbrellas. Um, I bought a new one. No, that's not it. Um, it's uh, it's about Kevin Smith, and we haven't talked about him in a while. Um, and this is the first the first part of the story is that um, you know pour one out for um for oh gosh uh, Mallrats two and Clerks three three because um you know as we are seeing here on the video um. Kevin Smith is work. Um, those fell through. So Kevin Smith is working on um, a Jalen Silent Bob movie or project. Um, and so, yeah, that's actually pretty, you know, it's sad to see the other two things going, especially with what we had heard about with, um, you know, the TV show or the mall rats. I think at one point it got turned into a TV show. Yeah, that's exactly it. He was doing Mallrats 2, and then the project grew, and he decided to do it as a TV series instead, and it didn't get picked up. Now, I remember him going through, and like he was mentioning, oh, I've just signed this person to be in Mallrats 2, and then it was like, I just signed this person to be in Mallrats 2. So a lot of the cast were coming back, and it was, it was pretty important to see that happen. And then I think it maybe turned into a Mallrats of the next generation kind of thing where we were going to see those original characters, but we're going to see them interspersed with younger characters hanging at the mall, which makes a certain degree of sense. Uh, I would assume that his daughter would had a part to play in it. Yeah. Uh, she's certainly becoming more known for being in his projects. It'll be interesting to see her wind up in stuff that he doesn't have anything to do with, uh, but that does eventually happen. And I think that she'll, she'll show that she's earned that. Um, the the clerks three thing was a little different because that became more of an internal problem is that one of the main stars of the clerks movies decided they didn't want to come back to do this movie. And I don't know if that's because of differences between them and Kevin or problems with the script, or they just decided that they didn't want to act anymore. Uh, I, in both cases, it's, it's a disappointing thing. I think clerks two was a very strong film considering how long had gone between it and the first clerks also because kevin had stepped away from doing the askew verse characters uh in in lieu of um other things because of some problems that jason muse had been having with drugs was a primary reason but when jason cleaned up and was ready to come back you know kevin's like well good then let's do this thing i'd love to tell this story with these characters and coming back the third time would have been nice to see at the same time one of the things Kevin said for years that kind of stuck out of my head, which goes back to when he was closing down shop on a skew, was no one wants to see Jay and Silent Bob in their 40s. And that's exactly what we're getting. 
because uh, Kevin Smith is my age. And uh, I assume Jason has got to be pretty close. That's what's going to happen is if there's going to be a Jay and Silent Bob movie, I hope to God it's not like the animated film that they did a couple years ago that to me was just horrendous. Yeah. Uh, after such an incredible Clerks animated series to see that animated movie just be a pile of shit. Um, I don't want that Jay and Silent Bob back, certainly. And and it it sounds also like it's a follow-up to Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back is that because of the remake craze, they're going to... Hollywood's going to remake the Jay and Silent Bob movie and they're going to have to go and fight that again. It's It's a little too back to the well for me and and i don't know by the pitch you're you're, it's it does sound like a reboot but it's they're rebooting blunt man and the blunt man and chronic movie that they were trying to stop in jay and silent bob strike back yeah so then they have to go do it again it it, it's that's not terribly interesting in in the the elevator pitch to me, it's like, okay, well, I've already seen this movie with these characters. What new thing are we going to tell? Now, at the same time, when I got the first pitch for Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back, the pitch of they're making a Blunt Man and Chronic movie, I probably didn't think a lot of that other than the fact that I was really into Jay and Silent Bob at the time. And now it's it's many years past that um, it's it's hard to say that I have the same love of the characters because they they've been gone for a long time. Yeah, who knows what he's going to do with it? And and Kevin at least lately has been doing more projects. He's been doing more work. He's been making films on his own. He's been directing shows uh, for the CW, and he's going to be doing something else that we're going to talk about. Yep. So I'm 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 glad to see him doing stuff. And I can't say that I'm not glad to see Jay and Silent Bob return because I was certainly excited for Clerks 3 and I was certainly excited for Mallrats as a series or whatever. We'll just have to wait and see. Now, I honestly, I didn't think that, or I thought that Kevin Smith owned the rights for the movies. No, it was Miramax. You know, the the first time out, it, he he made clerks himself and it was all his own baby and everything but when those production companies start getting involved uh contracts start getting signed and it's a question of how much of this do you actually get to keep yeah because that's that's the that's the part that because i'm seeing this in the in the big post that he had it's like so i don't own clerks small rats chasing amy or dogma but i do this is him talking but i do own jay and silent bob that i find really interesting like he doesn't own, because I would, you know, honestly, you, you say, you know, who would like to, who would want to see Jay and Silent Bob in their forties? I would. I want to see what, how, where they would go, in, you know, as they're 40, 40 years old, you know, maybe the one of the things in the episode or the episode the movie is Jay is now a father. Right. See, that it, would be. That would be something else. And that's sort of what Clerks 2 did, is they, they took us to what Clerks would be today, and it was like, okay, they're not still at the quick stop. They're they're doing something else, but you get to see them making that that next step into real adulthood. Yeah. Um, and with Jay and Silent Bob, it, it's, it's a question of, okay, I would 
be interested to see, you know, they're not hanging out in front of a store selling weed to kids anymore, but they're still going to up and run to Hollywood to try to stop a remake of a movie uh, based off of the fact that it was off their likenesses before. It, it's just, that sounds a little bit too much like they haven't changed. And that's exactly the problem that he had said about Jay and yeah. Silent Bob in their 40s is that if they haven't grown up, then it just looks a little sad. Uh, I'm sure he's got a different way of looking at it. And I'm sure that creatively he'll come at it with a different approach than what I'm expecting. Yeah. And and that's the beauty I mean, of it is you, you don't have a lot to prove with me because I am a fan from way back. Uh, I was kind of a super, super fan for a long time. I've got my giant Silent Bob sitting up above me on a bookshelf. I've got the bookends. I've got a ton of fucking shit that is Jay and Silent Bob related. So I, I'm easy to convert. Yeah. There, there's also a part of me that would sort of want to see whether it's a short or something, but th- that would be the setup for the, oh, they're going back to Hollywood. Silent Bob is now just known as Bob, and he's like a speak. He, he does like these college tours as a speaker or something. Meanwhile, <laughs> he's the, the Milo Yelanopoulos or whatever the fuck his name is, like going <laughs> no, and, well, and people are just not, yelling not, not at that him. crazy, but um. But yeah, and then Jay is, he's um, like a monk who's taken a vow of silence and whatnot sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> like, no, like uh, Jay is is uh, obviously, he's a big proponent of um, of medical marijuana and is, is going around the libertarian circuit trying to <laughs> gut in politics by mistake. <laughs> yes. Um, but then, then the other bit of news here is, you know, and the part of why the uh, the Mallrats and Clerks Three got pushed back is because Kevin Smith is working on a new TV show. He's working on the Spawn spinoff for BBC America. This one focusing on the characters Sam and Twitch. Now. I am not a big, I'm not really a Spawn fan, so I know nothing of this other than Kevin Smith is going to be involved and it'll be at on BBC America. All right, so I can I can speak to this a little bit. Sam and Twitch were introduced in the Spawn comics pretty much from the beginning. They're a pair of detectives. They've had a, a comic series before. Strangely enough, Brian Michael Bendis, grew a lot in popularity when he was writing the Sam and Twitch stuff for Todd McFarlane Productions. Uh, that was before he moved over to Marvel and started doing stuff in the Ultimate Universe. That was that was kind of like not his initial launching point. He was writing his own stuff first. His, um, I think Goldfish was one. He did a, a bunch of true crime stuff. Uh, Jinx may have been another one. It's been a long time since I've, I've looked at his old stuff. But that was a book that he did. But the characters were were created essentially by a friend of Todd's, and Todd used them in the book and thanked him for it. And I don't know if that guy ever got his big fucking movie check, uh, so to speak. So so it'll be interesting to see because Todd's had some problems with giving people uh, payouts for their stuff before Neil Gaiman, haha. And so that didn't work out. In this regard, Kevin was recently trying to do a Buckaroo Banzai 
TV series. And that fell apart because the rights issues came up. I would hate to see that be a problem again. Ala Kirkman had some problems with The Walking Dead in the first season or two because of the co-creator on the book. I don't know if that'll be the case, but BBC being involved in it, I can see this fitting their current generation of shows because if you look at what Dirk Gently was, for instance, uh, this last season on BBC, I could easily see a Sam and Twitch show, which is a couple of kind of hard-boiled detectives uh, working together and solving mysteries that have to do with a, a horror element or a mysterious kind of X-Files-ish sort of way, but maybe more in the take of bigger horror elements like a John Constantine would fight. That kind of thing I could see working really well with their motif. And Kevin would be good for it. I think Kevin would be fun for it. And I'm I'm glad to see him focus more on TV work because I think some of these shorter storytelling things can be good for him right now as he sort of still is working his way back to getting more in the public eye than he has been uh, because a lot of his movies have been self-produced. They've been self-funded uh, or funded through uh, Patreons or Kickstarters and things. But Kevin was a big deal for a long time. And I think people forget that he was a really good director because he's had some unfortunate projects that haven't worked out uh, or he did cop out, which is not his fucking fault, dude. But whatever. Um, this could be fun. Yeah. Um, no, I'm I'm excited to see this because, you know, again, where I still have yet to finish Dirk Gently. Um, that sounded a little dirty with how I ended that there. But, um, you know, I, again, like you, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith uh, and his stuff. I believe I came in to his, um, with, I think it was Dogma that I got to do first. And then, um, watched mall rats, watched, you know, all the other, you know, chasing Amy, Do uh, dogma again, uh, clerks, clerks Two, all that. Actually, I was a little upset because my friend in high school wouldn't let me borrow his clerks, the animated series DVDs. I'm like, dude, I'll bring them back in a week, not even a week. Knowing me, I'll get them back. I'll bring them back to you in three days. It's like, no, man. I'm like, Josh, come on. <laughs> But no, so to see this, I mean, honestly, to see that it, it's it's cool because I like, you know, I, I like seeing this. And uh, I should also point out that Kevin Smith is attached to write, direct, and executive produce the series. Yeah, um, and and since BBC, we can expect that it's probably a shorter season as well. Yes, which because, again would be good. It would be nice to have something a little bit more succinct. I could I could see this being, um, a co-production with you know, BBC proper um, to where it airs over on like maybe BBC two or BBC three over in the UK, you know, once it gets like orphan black does um, here. Yeah. And all that. <clears throat> well, I think that's going to do it here for the, the else news. We will be right back. If you like what you've heard on this Galactic Network podcast, please consider helping us out financially by going to gncast.com support. On that page, you'll find links to our Patreon campaign where you can make a small recurring monthly pledge of as little as $1. Or click on our Amazon affiliate link, make a purchase, and we get a very small percentage from the sale. Again, go to gncast.com support. And thank you for supporting the Galactic Network podcast. 
and we are back and it is time for the else views now i took a little liberties here and i picked two of my things that we're going to have views on um mainly because i knew we were planning some special stuff here so i'm like okay we're to keep it about the same time let's do this so i've got two and me and Corey are going to talk about his because i've been watching as well um but i'm gonna start first with the tv show that i'm watching um it's called eat the world with emerald Lagasse. um this is an amazon original and it's a really short um like british style um in length it's only six episodes for the first season um each episode is about a half hour and this is the in my opinion the reinvention or you know getting ready for the new age um of travel films of of travel tv shows because this each episode you have emerald going to a place and either meeting a um a chef there or going with the chef like episode two was the shanghai soup dumpling um where him and mario batali go to shanghai um in order to you know they, they do this journey of finding the best the most iconic uh shanghai soup dumpling you know and it's it was just brilliant at how they go through it made me go okay i want to move to i want to go and do this stuff i want to travel the world and go try the shanghai dumplings and all that and then it may also that episode also made me be like i could never make a dumpling that thin like they're talking about they said in the place because they ended up doing the highest rated because there's like this rating thing for the dumplings the most popular and then the original and the original they said that their slowest person it takes them to make a dumpling take they make a dumpling in 10 seconds i'm like you fucking kidding me 10 seconds and you got a dumpling made and you're the slow one i'd have been like yeah, 15 picture, 30. picture if that was your job and that's what you do all day like we always we always go back to the uh i love lucy episode where she and mm-hmm. ethel were were doing the bonbons coming across the factory um and 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 it's a great comedic bit on the show but if that's what you do if that's your if that's your whole kind of career and and that's what it is is you go to places like this and this is this is people's livelihoods but this is kind of like their art this is what yeah. they do not just for a living but because it's their it's their lives um i i could easily see the 10 seconds feels a little long to some of the the old hats on the on the line there well the, the cuz this place that they're talking about it's been in their family for i think they said 160 years and each dumpling has 18 pleats in it and i'm like oh my gosh dude but each episode is is like this um there was one episode where they're in italy um where emerald and um uh, this lady i cannot think of her name but they're in italy and they're uh, getting ready to try the perfect pizza um and it's by this guy named uh franco pepe and he's he lives in this small little area his restaurants in this small little village and he does he gets these ingredients the best ingredients from all over the world uh, all over the area around him so like he goes down to the small coastal village to get anchovies um, and he goes to this farm to get buffalo 
milk to make mozzarella cheese with and um he gets these olives um and this olive oil from these other people and i'm like oh my gosh this is such the care he puts into making these pizzas it's like of course he's he, of course he makes the best pizzas in there man and i mean i already have fighting words because anchovies and olives like uh yeah. what uh, are you gonna <laughs> throw pineapple on there too and just go for the tradecta bullshit because like what's wrong with pineapple on pizza uh it's a crime no <laughs> awesome <laughs> but i mean each episode they do like there's different chefs that go with him and it's just it's brilliant i i fully i really enjoyed it it's it was one this, I, is I a, this is a amazon original this is yes. uh something yeah. strictly through them yeah this is amazon prime original um and honestly i i stumbled upon this because i was looking one day i'm like well i want to find something i think it was yeah actually yesterday i think it was yesterday when i was doing laundry it's like i want to find something yesterday that i don't have to get fully involved in you know like i'm two seasons behind on transparent i'm probably three by now i'm i have i've only seen the pilot to um uh man in the high castle i haven't seen any of bosh i'm you know i'm a couple episodes in on good girls revolt and all that stuff but a lot of those shows are hour-long shows and it's like you sort of have to sit sit there and give it give it all the attention you you need or you can these they're half hour episodes i was like i'm yeah and honestly i i almost chose for my show this week uh top chef which i've fallen back into this season uh, because it's just it's so relaxing it's a really good show out of, out of those styles of shows it's it's easily to me one of the premier ones but it's just I feel relaxed when I watch it. I don't get antsy. I don't get worked up. I don't have to pay a hundred percent attention. But every time I do, I feel rewarded by it. Um, that, that that's the reason why the Cooking Network is a success. Is for a long time it was because oh I'm going to learn how to fucking cook from this. Now I don't know that that's a lot of what the Cooking Network is. Uh, it, it's or or food TV isn't, but uh, the cooking channel might be. Yeah. But it's just it's nice to be able to just kind of lose yourself in and see somebody make something and and especially see an expert speak on it. No, yeah, definitely. And that's where like, I guess sort of like I, I where I enjoy like the Anthony Carbone or not Anthony Carboni, um Anthony Bourdain's um like no reservations or um I'm blanking on the name of the CNN one, um parts unknown. With those, it's it's a little too. I'm gonna say this in the kindest words, but it's a little too up his ass. <laughs> like too like, this is where I go when I you know when I'm in Seoul, Korea, and all this. Where with Emerald, yeah, you had the guest chefs who were with him, who were like, you know, talking about you know, well, one of them, he's probably I think he's younger than me. Um, he is actually the owner of um, Mission Chinese uh, restaurant in New York. And like he talked about how, you know, he grew up watching Emeril. And then Emeril turned around and introduced him to Shep Gordon, who got the whole celebrity chef thing really going and yeah. all that. And it's just, I, it's brilliant. 
I will warn a guest that uh, if you were up Anthony Bourdain's ass, you would probably still get a better taste in your mouth than 90% of the quality food out there that you've probably experienced in your life, and certainly better than anything Guy Fieri makes. I was waiting for the Guy Fieri joke. I'm like, Guy Fieri joke, Guy Fieri joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean, it's... But you know what I mean? Like, he's... With Anthony Bourdain, he's more... He's he's an he's a well that's gonna sound terrible an acquired taste. Yeah. Uh, you you either dig on Anthony Bourdain or you don't. And and we're we're at a Bourdain household here. My wife yeah. was into his show for a long time, and I I certainly have nothing but great respect for the man. Um, he's not my go-to like show or chef personally, but I'm an ultimate yep. brownie. And 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 if you're a brownie, you, you just it, it's a different kind of show. Yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's Hopefully my first show. medicinal brownies. <laughs> There's my first show, Corey. You want to talk a little about yours, or yeah, I have to talk about it. It's only two episodes in, but I talked, uh, I think, quite extensively about the show coming up mm-hmm. as we were looking ahead of what the season was going to bring us. And this is the show that I was most excited about, and I can't say that I'm disappointed. Uh, and that show is Legion, the FX show, which is a show about mutants, but not necessarily relating to the X-Men. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, at least so far. But I was surprised at the amount of mutant uh, activity that we got at the end of the pilot. Because it went from being all of the weirdness and, and things that I expected the show to be and the colorfulness and the dancing and the interesting characters uh, and the intrigue and all of that. And then all of a sudden we got a straight up like superpower fight scene happening, mm-hmm. more of an escape scene in the first episode uh, at its close. And I'm, I'm not going to say a lot about it because I really can't. At this point in time, the story is very deep. You keep seeming to go into deeper and deeper section of David's head, uh, be they memories, be they dreams, uh, be they conversations with dead people, uh, be they conversations with living people that just aren't anywhere near him at that point in time. It is very intense, uh, but just so kind of magical Yeah, in the story that it's giving you. Uh, the characters are good, but the actors who play the characters, I think, are really what's tremendous about it. Uh, getting the introduction of Gene Smart at the end of the pilot and seeing her in the second episode has already uplifted what was already an incredible cast. Um, Aubrey Plaza is fucking killing it in this. It, it's so funny because I've been watching a lot of uh, Parks and Rec in, in syndication lately, and to see her play that character who was a very distinct character, and you just kind of assume that that's who Aubrey Plaza is. And if you've seen her other stuff, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I, I got a good idea of who Aubrey Plaza is. Then you see her in this, and it's like, holy shit, that is just fucking great. Uh, I am in total love with this show, which is not to say that I can say it's a success, uh, although I hear a lot of people saying great things about it, including the creators of the character, uh, Bill Sienkiewicz. Uh, Chris Claremont have both said some amazing things about like how proud they are of the show. A lot of other comic people are very into it. Um, I just know that I'm enwrapped with the story so far. Yep. We'll have to see where it winds up to see how well it all like comes out in the end of like, did they tell a great story? Did they just tell an okay story so well that you were happy to be along for the ride? 
Um, I'm not I'm not here to judge yet. I'm just here to say if you haven't checked it out yet, um, maybe do some of those brownies I was just talking about <laughs> and check out Legion on FX. I feel no. like you'll get more out of it than I probably would because I my brownies are mostly Betty Crocker. <laughs> No, I will add that too. I will. I will start emphasize on that because I, when I was watching the pilot, um, I was I've and I've seen both the episodes, but when I was watching the pilot, I'm like, wait, what the what is going on? So I went on the Wikipedia page and I saw in on there that the creator of the show, and I believe he's also the showrunner. He had talked about about the, because the show is through David's point of view that he they are intentionally making it um make you trip balls yeah make you trip balls because he's such an unreliable narrator narrator and all that i'm like that's actually a great point because you go from it's like oh this is the 70s to but wait that's like technology that you would have today or that's like you know near future tech that we have here um and stuff like that so it's I'm like, wait, what's going? Okay, yeah, my brain melts as I'm watching this TV, um, and because David Haller actually exists or something, and he's just taken over my mind. At this point in time, I'm not really exactly sure that he doesn't or that I do. Uh, that's that's the kind of show this is. Yeah, but no, and it's it is cool. I am according to Elon it. Musk, all of that could be true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I am truly enjoying it, and it's so. I will ask you this, as a curious person, who, um, because the creator of this also created the FX uh, show Fargo, um, or he was a showrunner in Fargo. Would you say if a person were coming into Legion that they would, and they enjoyed it, that they would be able to get into Fargo? I, I I have to emphasize the fact that I was a huge fan of Fargo. Uh, the first season I liked a lot. The second season is to me some of the best TV that there's ever been. Uh, so I am biased as fuck about Fargo. Uh, and and Gene Smart was in the second season of Fargo. Uh, Rachel, who's playing uh, David's girlfriend in the show, was from the second season of Fargo. I came at Legion knowing that Fargo 2 and, and Fargo season 1 were things that I loved. So I, I cause it kind of was like the audience that they weren't going to have to earn. Um, Fargo is a very different show. Fargo uh-huh. doesn't, doesn't connect to the weird in the same ways that Legion does. Fargo is not necessarily straightforward and certainly has some oddity to it. But in the end of the day, you can watch Fargo and not feel like you've just been shroomed. Uh, Legion is <laughs> Legion's a different animal. Uh, but I, I yeah. certainly think that if you are if you are in love with Legion for the art of the storytelling more than the story, uh, and for the the beautiful shots and for the great character work and everything, you would definitely enjoy the the, the Fargo series on FX. Uh, one right. that I hope doesn't get sidelined by the fact that Legion looks to be achieving some success. I want to see both shows continue to happen. No, yeah, definitely. Um, no, you're you're helping me out with that because I 
you know, I, in case you haven't figured out, I was that person I was re- referring to in this hypothetical because I do like how they're telling the story and the visuals and all that. And I think the part of the reason why I never got into Fargo itself was because of the fact that I hadn't seen the movie. And and and, and, and believe me, when I started watching the this first season of Fargo, I thought it was going to just be the movie over again, which did not make me feel like it was necessary television. But it's not. It's not the movie. And it also has a very different feel from the movie as you go through it. Whereas the Fargo movie is great. And and don't get yeah. me wrong. I'm not trying to undersell the movie. I'm certainly not trying to undersell the Coen brothers who don't give a shit about what I think anyways, because fuck it, they're artists. Uh, they are brilliant. Uh, but But the show deviates from the movie in a lot of ways. And it's not actually about the same characters or the same story. It just becomes more apparent as it goes along. And the first season is very, very good. Please don't let me undersell the first season by telling you how brilliant the second season is. It's just that after you see the second season, it's hard to look at the first season in the same respect because it just elevates so much. Yeah. Oh, no. no, Yeah, definitely. All right. Anything you want to add about Legion? Uh, No, I, 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 I... Wish there was more I could say, and I, I'm also glad that there's not. I know that there is a rumor about a character that we keep seeing flashes of in the show and who it might be in relation to the comics, which is, I think, probably bullshit, but also very interesting and exciting in a way. Um, and if you want a little bit of spoiler towards that, although it's probably not a spoiler at all, that would be Mojo from the X-Men comics. There is a character that David keeps seeing that is kind of a bloated, yellowish-hued creature. Uh, oh, that, that, oh, the Mojoverse. Yes. Okay. Uh, that is, it's just speculation, and we love to speculate on the internet. It's kind of like what we're there for, uh, besides yelling Hargan, Flargan, Margan, Margan uh, at people. It, it, it's, it's intriguing. I, I would love to see what they could do with a character like Mojo in this, especially because Mojo is someone who watches TV all the time, makes shows, puts people into his programs. And it would kind of like third wall break us in a way that Deadpool can only dream about. If this whole thing was actually Mojo controlling it and controlling us as people who are watching the show, I find that fucking fascinating. I doubt that's actually what's happening, but wouldn't fucking surprise me if they blew my mind that way. And Gregor, oh, yeah, no, because uh, <laughs> Gregor may or may not be tweeting something you just said off through the Austiners account. Okay, <laughs> but no, so yeah, that's I, I didn't even catch it. I'm gonna quit Mojo because I, I was thinking the other guy, um, that doesn't really say anything in the first episode. That's um, the yellow eye guy. Yeah, the yellow eye guy. I was thinking he might be. I'm like, wait, could he be? Um, what's the not is it not mastermind what's the guy who like negates powers uh oh geez there was leech uh, I, I think there was already i'm leech. thinking leech or mastermind one of the well, two mastermind mastermind was a a mental person who would control people he's what made gene gray turn into yeah uh, the phoenix or the dark uh, phoenix yeah, it was it was something like that. Like I, I I was thinking mastermind, but I wasn't thinking necessarily for power leeching. But I was like, could it be power leeching too? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out as I'm processing all this stuff, and I'm like, 
all right um i'm just gonna skip install and we're gonna be like all right let's talk about my show now or my movie now <laughs> yeah um but no yeah definitely check out legion on fx it airs wednesdays at 10 i believe um on fx um mine is a movie my other one is a movie it is this movie actually as a matter of fact look at me going all legit and actually buying physical things um that i will be talking about um but no i this is justice league dark or as i like to call it the pilot for the animated series of constantine um because this because constantine's had such great luck with pilots before yeah well um because this is and this is the other thing that um I found really cool and I was going to do the research or not the research, but the pull up the page beforehand. But as you know, um, Matt Ryan is in here again, is, is reprising his role as Constantine. Um, but did you know that there was also another, um, another person from Constantine who is in here as well? I did not. I can't remember anybody else from Constantine. Um, the, um, he was in the first two episodes of the TV series. Um, he played Richie. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, getting to his name. Um, Jeremy Davies. He's in here as well. And I'm like, it, it didn't click until I'm like, wait a minute. Richie, isn't he already in Constantine? Um, he was also in Lost. Yeah. And, uh, Jeremy um, Davies has been in a lot of stuff. He was in... Uh, justified he he's a yep. one of those guys always looks a little weird but picks some <laughs> incredible parts but no yeah so this is the latest in um the dc animated movies um and this again is this is another good one this is um another movie that you know i really enjoyed um, as is the tradition of me revu- reviewing these movies, I give you, I try to give the people, um, you know, especially the parents, a, is this kid friendly or not? You know, there are some movies like The Killing Joke or Assault on Arkham, or I think there's another one that I'm like, no, this is not kid friendly at all. This one leans this is borderline because where there's no, you know, gratuitive gratuitous violence or sex scenes or, you know, anything really sexy time like that. Um, there is a bit of language. I mean, what else would you expect from a, uh, Manchester, England, uh, bastard as such as John Constantine, but you know, so there is quite a bit of language in here, but I mean, again, the voice casting is over. I'm gonna say this because I was I've been thinking about this. Jason O'Mara, who plays Bruce Wayne and Batman in here, um, he's I've mentioned this during for my review of Justice League War, that it sounds like he's just doing his American accent. And he's also uh director mace on Agents of Shield. It now sounds he now sounds different enough like he's doing his own version of Batman, not just doing an American accent sort of thing. And I so love that the voice talent on here is really great um you know up and down the board um all the people playing all doing the voices for all the characters um you know nicholas Turturro as boston brand uh brand aka dead man 
Ray Chase as Jason Blood and Etrigan the Demon, um, Roger Cross as Dr. Alec Holland, Swamp Thing, uh, John Stewart, and Green Lantern. Um, you know, all the way down to Alfred Molina playing Destiny in here. You know, it's so cool to see all, to hear all these voices. And the story is really cool, too. I mean, I'm beating around the bush on the story because Beatmaster hasn't seen it yet. But the basic story is there's this uh, thing that is making people see demons. But there are other people. So, for example, if I'm looking at Corey's picture in, in this in the Google Hangout window like I'm doing right now, I wouldn't see Corey. I would see a demon. Which is fair. You know? Yeah. Um, and, but so much so to where like, I'm, I would, I would be attacking him in that way. Which is Um, also fair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just a Thursday night. Um, so the Justice League are trying to figure out what's happening because this is popping up all over. So Batman enlists, uh, Constantine in this, John Constantine in this, because he knows of his magical, magical abilities his affinity for you know the mystic mystical arts and so they go around uh to recruiting people uh they recruit zatanna first um which i actually enjoyed the fact and i'm curious to see and i'll probably check out later on the special features how they did her um how they did her yeah the backward speak if they just if they wrote it out and she said it backwards or if they recorded her going four forwards and then flipped it. And also I will point out on Voodoo, fuck you guys with your captioning for saying inherent uh speaking in another language when she's doing her backwards speak. Because how hard is it to when she does this the first thing she does, she's ra- raising elephants as a as an actual like stage magician. And it's like she's like elephants rise or whatever, but backwards. How hard is it to just say spell spell it backwards? It's not fucking rocket science here, man. <laughs> I believe the language is technically called Devoian, uh, after Belle Biv Devoe, because she smacks it up, flips it, and reverses it. This is true. Oh, no. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's a great story. Um, this is a great setup for more Justice League Dark movies. Um, you know, with, with like this group. Um, you know, and really, really good writing with... Um, the story is done by Ernie Atbacker and J.M. DeMatteis, and it's directed by Jay Olivia. And I mean, yeah, and it, it stays pretty true to 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 the comics for a lot of the parts. And it, it it's involved in the the overarching uh, DC animated universe right now, as far as their their films go, because we see uh, Jerry O'Connell gets to guest as Superman, Rosario Dawson guests as Wonder Woman. So they're trying to involve people who have been in the other films as much as possible to make it feel cohesive to things you've already seen. I've seen previews for the Teen Titans Judas Contract animated film that's coming out, and I was surprised, and and I'll, I'll be honest, a little disappointed because it has to do with a lot of the young Titans who weren't from the original storyline from the comics, but that was took place in the 80s. And at that point in time, there was only one Robin, and it was Dick Grayson. Uh, and it shows him changing over to Nightwing. And this is going to have Dick Grayson as well as um, Damian Wayne. Damian Wayne, yeah. That's it's yeah, it's the it's going to be a different take. 
Yeah, the Judas contract, um, which I'm assuming is based off of an older book. If you're bringing that up, yeah, I mean it's it's the seminal okay. Teen Titans storyline from the '80s. The Judas contract is to Teen Titans what the Dark Phoenix saga is to the X-Men. Okay, um, because this is this will be a sequel for the Teen Titans because they had the uh, Justice League versus the Teen Titans, which was essentially a Teen Titans origin thing here um where they had you know it's in the same universe you have the same actor playing damien or voicing damien wayne um jason amara is in this is batman um i believe jerry o'connell rosario dawson um carrie payton i believe is voicing cyborg um or no it's um it's not carrie payton it's the other guy um i just wish it was carrie payton because fuck he's cyborg to me um and king ezekiel but um it was the it was very much the same thing where you had Nightwing or they flipped it instead of like they're all teens, um Starfire is the leader or is not is the leader slash teacher of the Teen Titans. It's it's like almost like X Men in that regard. Like she's Professor Xavier or she's you know uh, uh Storm in the later like now books. And stuff like that, and then the other ones are the new mutants coming in here, um, with blue right. beetle. It's and closer to the, the continuity of what they did with the Young Justice TV series, which is yeah. is making its way back. Um, like I said, it's it's fine. It's just that when we heard several years ago that they were doing a Judas contract uh, adaptation, we assumed it was an actual adaptation of the original storyline with the original characters and everything, uh, just done for for film and obviously that's not what we're getting so it's it's not necessarily bait and switch it's just it's one of those things that if you're an old school fan this maybe isn't necessarily what you were looking for but again you have that story that story existed that story that you know backwards and forwards and and got to go through all the reveals and stuff we get to see something that is new and a different take and uh, maybe be surprised and and maybe get something else that we love, if not as much, it's it just concurrently. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. No, you, you can pick up um you can pick up Justice League Dark in in the shops. I happen to get this. This is the steelbook version. So there's no actual back, so I can't read what the uh special features are, but I got this at Target. Um actually giving a, also a cheap pot to where I go to work and stuff or uh like anything else with we report on every week we have links in the show notes that if you purchase it through our amazon store it will help out the network a little bit help out collecting exactly there was a there was a different version i sort of wanted to get because it had the uh the john constantine toy with it and i'm like sort of want the toy sort of like you know that toy will wake up in the middle of night and not necessarily kill you in your sleep but call you a wanker yeah call, call me a gobshite or some other English term that I, I wish I paid way more attention to British TV than what I do currently to come up with, or could just be like to call some friends, like, hey, like Daryl, like Daryl, I need a British swear, like insult me in, in British, come on. But yeah, so it's the same thing as insulting you in English, just with worse teeth. <laughs> Corey said it, not me. <laughs> so that is going to do it for the else, the else views. We will be right back.
Do you like scary movies? Did you answer yes to that question? Have you ever thought, hmm, I'd really like to listen to two random strangers talk on the internet about some movies that I may or may not have watched at some point in my life. Sometimes they even bring guests on, which adds to a little bit of the banter. Sometimes we cover the news of the week. Sometimes we don't talk about the movie at all. Sometimes one of us gets a little bit drunk. It's just the way that we do things over at the Podcast of Terror, which is a production of Galactic Netcast, in case you weren't sure. If you're interested in this, please go ahead and head over to gncast.com slash pot. Subscribe and enjoy the crap out of it. And we are back and it is time for the else words. This is our discussion topic of the, of the evening. And it's um a little bit of a timeline of the what's been going down in the um bat the the course of making the Batman. Um, so we start off, um, quick overview. Uh, ben Affleck, Where were first... we? Where did we begin? Let's go we, well, back. The first one, the first story here that, that Beat has put in our doc is from the 10th of January, 2017, where Ben Affleck affirms he's directing the Batman. Um, you know, he went on Jimmy Kimmel saying, hey, I'm still directing the Batman. And uh, I'm going to do the next Batman film. We're working on it. It's one of those things that's really frustrating because like with live by night it took me a year and a half to write it and get it ready and i worked really hard it's just nobody gave a shit no one was like where's where's live by night but with batman i keep getting the like where's the fucking bat or where's the fucking batman and i'm going bro i'm working give me a second um this leads to um you know the on the 30th of january uh Hollywood reporter that uh reporter reports that uh, ben Affleck and executives um, had been unhappy with the script for weeks and that Ben Affleck is no longer directing the Batman. Um, we then fast forward to, you know, February 9th where a uh, Batman movie uh, gets a new script, new director and likely 2019 release date. Um, ben Affleck is still writing the uh, Batman movie, I believe. But the uh, word is like, you know, they're still working on working on it, but they're setting a release date for when they want to come out with it. All this while, I believe at the same time, they had announced and were showing stuff of um, Joe Manganiello as Deadshot. Um, no, Deathstroke. Deathstroke. I'm like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, Deathstroke and stuff like that. And then we get an interesting article on February 10th of um, Lawrence Fishburne's comments on the DC um, expanded universe. Um, and he, he was asked by, you know, cause he's, he's done, he's done plenty of superhero movies. He's, I, and I didn't catch this, but he voiced silver surfer in fantastic four rise of the silver surfer. Yeah. There's a reason why you didn't catch it. Nobody did. Yeah. Like they, <laughs> did they just heavily modulate that shit? No, no, it was it was clearly his voice. It was as much like having Niles from Frasier playing uh, Ape, Ape Sapien in the first Hellboy movie, and then by the second movie, we're like, no, we're just going to let the guy who's actually here doing all the shit uh, do the the part, or uh, having uh, the guy play Ultron. It, it it's it's yeah. like okay, it's it's great. We got this amazing voice actor to do this, but. 
He's he's voicing a character that he's not in any relation to on the screen. And it it kind of I can't say that that's what screwed up the movie. I think it was just a bad movie. No, yeah, because I mean, it. I, I've seen Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. I don't remember Morpheus being the voice of Silver Surfer. I can't tell you that I remember much of that fucking film. <laughs> yeah. uh, but to, to go back to his comments, he said uh, they asked me to come for a day, but I couldn't work it out. This is in relation to him showing up possibly in the Justice League movie. He plays Perry White in the Man of Steel film and in Batman v Superman. Uh, he said, I couldn't work it out schedule-wise. Uh, and really, what do you need the newspapers in Justice League for? You want to see The Flash. You want to see Aquaman. You want to see Wonder Woman. You want to see The Lantern, uh, who we have not had an announcement on yet. We've been waiting 35 years for these characters to show up on the screen. What were they doing over there? Marvel's been kicking their ass. This is the comic book geek in me who has a collection of comic books. I've been waiting to see these people on screen forever. I, I think we all have, uh, Lawrence. I, I think yeah. we all maybe wish that we had taken the red pill so we could actually have our fucking movies instead of looking at drab reality of where this shit seems to not be getting made. But let's move along on to the next part of the story. Well, I, I want to point out here, um, you know, because the, they ask another question. Um, as a comic book geek, uh, were you surprised... Um, at how quick fans and critics were to jump all over Batman versus Superman. And Fishburne's response was, look, I love what Zack Snyder does. Jesse Eisenberg, this little dweebish guy as Lex Luthor, for me, that's a genius move. But the whole thing with Martha Kent and Martha Wayne, I don't know, man. I, I'm too way too white to read this sentence. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I must be sentimental, but that's some or that's some heartwarming uh shit to heartwarming me. stuff to me so yeah. i don't get it um, um and it's but again it's one of those things like i agree with lawrence fishburne on the first part there you know i mean he's you know marvel's been kicking their ass when it comes to the movies um so then we fast forward to later on in that day there's an article that comes out from deadline.com that uh, WB has offered the Batman franchise, not just the movie, the franchise, to director Matt Reeves. Um, Matt Reeves, who did War of the Planet of the Apes, and I cannot think of any other movies because I'm only going off of what the the headline thing says. Um, and then we go to a week later, a full seven days, and negotiations have had broken down with the uh with director matt reeves over the batman so that's sort of where we're at now last i knew um you know the news could have changed and so and we're gonna we're gonna drop the rumor right we're gonna we're gonna talk about the rumor that has kind of bedeviled this whole thing so I, I, as a person who, you know, for Galactic Networks, I cover, I did the, the whole splash page thing. And um, so I hate rumors personally, because I feel like a jackass when I get something wrong and I report on it. No, absolutely. And that's um, why this is a discussion topic and yeah. not news. This is not we're telling you this is something that's officially happened. This is us talking about there is a rumor. It's a pretty strong rumor, but nowhere near confirmed. There's been nothing that's been reported at all uh, by any credible source. It's just people are talking. 
uh, you know, people are talking and, and, you know, a lot of people are saying, and I'm hearing, uh, which seems to be the popular way to get your news these days. Uh, hashtag safety in Switzerland. Uh, but I'm just (laughs) in this discussion topic, we will mention that a rumor is going around that Ben Affleck wants out of playing Batman in in the films going forward now i'm gonna point i'm gonna point out because with what they said with rumor it it's it does make sense for rumor, and, and the reason why i laughed is because you said safety in switzerland just as a more of a dig a dig back at b it's it's brilliant i loved it um but i get where this is stemming from because you know at first ben affleck was set to write direct you know write with jeff johns direct and star in the batman movie now which already if that was the case if he was writing the script with jeff johns and the first problem that they have is that the script doesn't work yeah that is a huge statement about their belief in ben and in jeff johns who is the overseer for a lot of the dc stuff at this point he's the guy who's supposed to be coming in to fix the things that are wrong that that people have felt are wrong, perhaps, with Zack Snyder's take on the DC universe so far. Yeah. And these were our saviors. You were supposed to be the chosen one, uh, Jeff Johns. Uh, and now I'm left looking at you burning on the ground. Did you just quote Man of Steel? Or no, I Steel? fucking quoted... Uh, Revenge of the Sith, which makes me feel just as sick to my stomach as if I put in Man of Steel. But no, so I mean, like it makes sense because you know, like then he steps back and and when he I read the the quote that he gave for why he wanted why he decided to step down from directing um the Batman and it makes perfect sense. Oh, good lord! Part of it because again, part of it I think is you know go back to the quote from when he was on Kimmel where he said you know he he spent you know he was frustrated he spent a year and a half to write um and get ready to work you know to write live by night a movie he loves a mo- a movie that he put his heart into his soul into a movie he was um, probably hoping was going to be the next Argo yeah exactly you know he's come off the Ar- off of Argo and i believe the town was yep. before this and then and this, and he was hoping it would be, you know, keep going and building that momentum, and everyone just shit on it. And Which is, I mean, realistically, it could just be that it was not a good film. It could be that even with, if he had every ounce of time and attention on that film, that it still wouldn't have landed with an audience. It's, yeah. it's absolutely possible that that's a case that it has nothing to do with this. But it is one of those things where his last two movies that he wrote or co-wrote and directed and starred in, he had very good success with. He at least had a good word of mouth from it. And this movie struggled. Yeah. And so, I mean, it could be, you know, like you said, it could just be confidence has gotten shaken. But then, you know, we look at, and we've seen, and I've said this before, that Ben Affleck respects the character. We talked about before and, you know, that week of Batman or Batman versus Superman that 
there were reports of him being in the suit rewriting scenes and all you know ghostwriting stuff for the movie and and all that and that just told me that put in me like okay this dude knows his shit this well dude, let's yeah. be careful here yeah yeah being in the suit and saying I am the Batman and then rewriting scenes because you're actually the Affleck and there's a lot of heat behind you right now. And so you have the ability to say, I'm going to rewrite this scene does not necessarily mean you are the best person to write that scene. Because again, going to the problems with this movie starting out seems to be a disbelief in the script. Yeah. So now that doesn't mean that the script wasn't good. It may be that the, the company is like, oh, that's a fine and well done Batman movie. That's not what we want for the superhero films as we're doing them right now. It could have been something that was very down to earth, very mano a mano type of thing. You know, it, we're working with an older Batman who who's already established and is maybe in the darker years of his life and stuff. Or maybe that's not the Batman that we're going to see in relation to how he's supposed to be kind of turned around after Batman v Superman and seemed a little bit, not necessarily younger, but a little bit more jovial in the previews that we've seen for Justice League. But he wanted to go back to that theme. It's hard to say why the script didn't work and who says the script didn't work. But whatever it is, at the end of the day, that was the first change. That was the first thing that they said. At this point, we can't get the script to work. Also, we have to take into account that Flash has gone through a lot of problems very similar to this. Multiple directors have come onto the project and left. Multiple scripts have been taken down and and now started all over again. And Flash is a movie that was already on the docket. The Batman was something that wasn't even part of the initial announcement of the next 10 years of films and became more of a primary thing when Ben Affleck got involved. They're like, we're not just bringing in Ben to wear a suit. We're bringing in Ben to be involved in making these movies and at this point in time it seems like they're shaken with that relationship and now ben is stepping back from directing from writing does it make sense that he might want to step back from starring now i'm gonna i'm gonna make an argument here and it's an argument built on history uh and and it's an argument that i think we can go back to our kevin smith conversation and realize how this has gone down before Ben Affleck started out, you know, a a okay actor, and he he was in some some fun Kevin Smith stuff. He did Chasing Amy, and Chasing Amy kind of took him into a more dramatic turn. Now, as he started to build up his following, and he started to become like a kind of it guy for Hollywood, he also dated a superstar of a completely different thing with uh, Jennifer Lopez. And they made a very unsuccessful film. But this was after a string of other films that Ben was having problems with. Paycheck, uh, Kevin Smith loves to say the joke uh, because that's that's what that film was about, was the paycheck that Ben got. Um, <laughs> but Jersey Girl failed more on association that it was Ben and Jennifer Lopez together, again, although briefly, uh, after Geely was a shit shodden mess. Now, after a a explosive number of films that just failed for Ben, Ben stepped back. 
Ben stepped back from Hollywood. Ben stepped back from his relationship with Jennifer Lopez. Uh, after Daredevil and everything, he wound up dating uh, a little while later. He wound up dating uh, Jennifer Garner. Yep. And they got married and everything. And it took Ben some time to come back. Now, one of the things that I loved about Ben is that he had a pretty decent sense of humor and humility about the whole thing. But you can tell it fucking drove him crazy because he was the Hollywood it guy for a brief flash of time and then lost it. So he scraped and worked hard and did everything right to finally come back, you know, by doing Argo, by doing the town, by getting people to go, oh, shit, Ben Affleck is pretty fucking good. He did smaller parts. He played Superman, but not Superman. He played George Reeves as Superman in uh, Hollywoodland. Like, he did a lot of stuff that it was like, okay, this guy has has figured out what he needs to do. And in much the way that Ryan Reynolds had to kind of reinvent himself and fight to get his career back after failing so hard with Green Lantern. So Ben Affleck is back, and Ben Affleck is getting a lot of attention and a lot of good love. And then Ben Affleck gets announced as Bruce Wayne and the internet goes fucking batshit crazy in a way that only being Batman or movie would make you do. So it's not all love for Ben. He hasn't really had to deal with this kind of like hatred from people in quite a while. And he's not sure exactly why. But as soon as he gets announced as Batman, it's like, oh, fuck, no, Ben Affleck, Batfleck, no, that ain't going to work. And then he does the movie, and he's sure that the movie is going to make sense, and it's going to fix everything with the naysayers. But unfortunately, it doesn't. And as Beatmaster just showed on the video a second ago, Ben Affleck becomes a meme. You know, that is a terrible place to be when you're suddenly seen more as a joke in a still than you are as an actor, a writer, and a director, when you're finally getting stuff back together again. So Ben Affleck right now doesn't benefit from being Batman. He doesn't benefit from being in superhero movies at all because superhero movies helped kill his career before. Ben Affleck right now wants to be seen as an artist, as a writer, as a director, as a solid actor. All of these things that he's been, that he's earned the right to be seen as. But he's in a shit pile that is superhero movies. And I'm not saying this about DC because we know from experience that Joss Whedon stepped away from doing Marvel movies. After making two movies that made a billion dollars each, Joss Whedon said, this shit is fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Anybody else who's worked in these films knows it's fucking hard. And DC slash WB has not put forth a solid enough plan yet and and created a solid enough foundation the way that Marvel did. And Marvel, it's hard. You know, you look at what happened with Ant-Man, the expectations grow exponentially with each success. And DC hasn't hit that level of success yet. They've done okay. I, I, I don't want to just shit on DC for this, but they haven't reached that level of success. And there's constantly people like me who are just dicks saying, you guys fucked up from the beginning. You should just scan all of this. There's questions about how good Wonder Woman is actually going to be at this point because there's a lot of rumors that it's it's not, that it frankly isn't. And there's a lot hinging on it being a success. Uh, it would otherwise be the fourth film to have mediocre sales and the first female-led superhero film. Mm -hmm. Justice League has to cream the fucking crop with how good it's going to be and with how successful it's going to be. Because like Lawrence Fishburne said, 
we've wanted this forever. And these are characters that fucking you don't even have to try too hard. It's fucking Superman. It's fucking Batman. It's fucking Wonder Woman. The Flash. Uh, Cyborg for some fucking reason. And Aquaman. I mean, how hard is it to get this right? Apparently, very, very hard. So it would not surprise me at all if Ben Affleck has decided it's too much for me. It's too much of a risk for me. I don't know that I'm going to get another chance 10 years down the road to come back and do this one more time. You know, I want to be seen seriously again. I want to be seen successfully again, and which is not to say he wants to rule Hollywood or expects to rule Hollywood, but I think he wants to be looked at as not a joke. And unfortunately, yeah. if these films don't do a massive amount of success, all it's doing is tarnishing what he does beside them. Whereas Robert Downey Jr., became beloved to us again playing Tony Stark in a way that his comeback was a big deal coming back and playing Iron Man. His side projects and stuff have not reached the same level of success as what he has as Tony Stark. But Ben has had more success outside of playing these movies. And these movies are are hitting him at a time when he can't take those hits because he he doesn't have it in him to go through this again. And I get it. So if, if, big fucking if, it's the case of he's like, I'd rather just break contract and run out of here because it's not fulfilling to me to do the script at this point. It's not fulfilling to me to direct at this point. How much is it in me to stay fucking cut all the time and look great in that fucking suit to show up and do work that I think is mediocre to begin with? I'd rather go. I'd rather go put a younger guy who's hungry for it in the suit. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that I think anybody else is going to be able to make it work better. I don't. I just, I kind of, I want to see Ben feel good and, and, yeah. and find success again. No, yeah, definitely. And I mean, so what, what do you, I think I asked this last time we had a big discussion about DC. What do you see as the way for dc the movies to have because like here's here's sort of what i see happening i see you know and i hope this doesn't happen i hope wonder woman kicks ass because you know i'm i'm a, I'm, I'm desperate a, for a great wonder woman movie yeah don't get me wrong i i want that more than i think i want any other superhero movie to succeed at this point but like you've like you've pointed out we've had man of steel batman versus superman uh, Suicide Squad, and then uh, one would be the fourth, right? Or is there one? I'm one would be the fourth, and then Justice League will follow that up. So we have, and it's like after minutes, so I was like, "Oh, okay, you know, this should be this should be amazing." And then you know, Man of Steel didn't do well, or not Man of Steel, uh, Batman vs Superman didn't do live up to the a lot of the expectations and stuff like that. Um, and then you get the. And then you get Suicide Squad, which I enjoyed. I really love Suicide Squad. Don't get me don't get me wrong in that. And yep. I, I've said the know, same but, thing. I I had less problems with Suicide Squad than I had with the other two films because my expectations were very low, and because at the end of the movie, I found fun in it. But that does not yes. mean I think yeah. it's a good film. No, yeah, 
Um, and then, but and then here, so but people are like, you know, after, you know, Batman versus Superman, they're like, well, maybe Suicide Squad will be good. And after Suicide Squad, it's, well, maybe Wonder Woman will be good. How many of these do we have to get into or go through before DC finally figure goes, okay, we can't do what Marvel's done, what Marvel's doing now with the keeping, like, doing these shows, you know, so far out in advance, you know, like announcing our slate from here till, you know, 40 years into the future and whatnot. What do you think it's going to take for DC to get their shit together is basically what I think I'm what I'm getting at. It's it's a sad thing to say because I don't know that they have it in them. Uh, it, it's, it's stop comparing yourself to Marvel, which is ridiculous because it's DC superheroes and Marvel superheroes. That's exactly who should be up against Marvel. But I don't see Warner Brothers being able to realistically pull back from that at this point. When you come out and you announce 10 years of films... And in that 10 years of films, you have multiple films per year, and you don't even have a, a fucking foundation for those movies to start. It's like, oh, yeah, we had we had this somewhat underwhelming, not unsuccessful, but somewhat underwhelming and certainly controversial first film. And now we're leading into our second film. Before we even get that second film out, we're going to announce the future of our comic book superhero movies and 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 promise all of these things like cyborg is fucking gone like the whole talk of cyborg for a long time seems to have disappeared now on marvel side same thing seems to have happened within humans and humans has gone from being a marvel film to a marvel tv property uh that may get a film release but is really gone out of faggy's hands to the the tv side of things mm-hmm. uh which makes sense because i don't think he ever wanted it um but in DC's case, I think the problem is is that they overreached and they didn't understand in a lot of ways they didn't understand who these characters are were or what the fans wanted from these characters and their movies. Now, you can go backwards and say, well, they didn't have very good luck when they tried to build off of the Christopher Reeve version of the film by doing Superman Returns. Uh that movie did not succeed. Uh by pulling over Brian Singer from the X-Men movies to do it even. It seemed like Oh, this is gonna this is gonna be exactly what people want out of Superman, but it wasn't. Now I'll say that one of the things that they lost in that is that they kept the dark tone of Superman, uh, but they lost the heart of Superman, which seems to be the problem that they've stuck with. Is they've kept everything dark, but they've lost the heroism, mm-hmm. um, and and then they they tried really hard with Green Lantern. Green Lantern was supposed to be their Iron Man. And Green Lantern failed. So in both those cases, they're like, well, we have to do something else. We have to kind of make this happen. We're, we're going to go with our big guns. We're going to lead that way. But they still didn't figure out how to make films that were going to land with the fans and build the fan base and make, make us excited for each new film. I'm excited for every new DC film that comes out in the potential of what it could be. But they have yet to show me that they can actually land those things and it, it, i don't want to just hate on snyder but i think that snyder is a terrible choice to keep doubling down on when he's been a problem with it since the beginning i i think that he is if nothing else he doesn't seem to have learned from his mistakes um which you can say they're not mistakes because they have been successful it, it it's it's a personal taste thing 
But as they try to change the narrative of, oh, this next movie is going to introduce fun again. Well, okay, but it's funny that you've got us going into the next movie promising fun, but you're giving us the guy who said fun is bullshit and shouldn't be in these movies at all. Uh, Evan's pointing out David Goyer is still associated with all these things. Yeah, David Goyer is. And again, you're not backing away from who's been making these to begin with. You're just telling us, oh, but they're going to do it different now. I don't know that they can or want to do it different. Not enough. They still want to prove that they were right. That's why when they tell you things like, oh, well, we did those other movies so we could give you a more uplifting Batman in Justice League. No, don't feed me bullshit like that. You know, just tell me we're going to give you more fun in this and that's how it is. Maybe we should have done that before. But not, oh, we did that because it was all part of the fucking plan. You had no plan. Your plan yeah. was certainly not this. Your plan was something else. And and now you, you're going to try to act like it wasn't the case. But we know better. We understand. And, and, and I think that DC, I don't want to see them fail. Certainly not with Wonder Woman. I don't want to see them fail with Justice League because these characters matter to me. Mm-hmm. But I'm afraid that it's going to take them failing and wiping the boards clean and people running away uh, as quickly as possible from these films, which sucks because I really like Ezra Miller. And I I can't say that I was excited to see his Flash because I think the Flash on the TV series is so good. Do I want another Flash up on the screen? Not at the moment. But I still, I love that guy as an actor and as a character actor that I was at least intrigued to see him get to play Flash. And I, I don't harbor any will towards him getting success with that uh being in a huge budget film i would have liked to have seen that happen for him but i feel like at this point in time they've shown over and over again that they can't make flash work because it's gone a rewrite after rewrite after rewrite and director and director and director it's it's really scary that they can't seem to see that sometimes things just don't work and to keep pounding at the same stone over and over again when you're not chipping pieces off of it anymore, you're never going to get the art from it that you think that you're going to. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's where we're probably going to wrap things up. Um, but I want to get your guys' opinions on this. Um, and I want you guys to email us. You know, email us, mail at elsners.com. If you don't want to do that, you know, we, get, we have the voicemail, um, 805-328-3966. Um, tell us, what do you want... Like, what do you want, what do you think DC has to do to, to beat Marvel? I'm, I'm not even gonna, actually, no, I'm not even going to say that. What does DC have to do to make great films and all that? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to put it on, the onus on them to beat Marvel at this point. Marvel is a fucking juggernaut that will only be beaten by itself at, at yeah. some point. And, and yeah. I, I, I want to see this looked at by other production companies that are trying to create their own universes like this. I I want uh, the people who are doing the universal monster thing and trying to make a shared universe out of that. I want the people who are doing stuff with uh, Transformers and then introducing other characters like Visionaries and G.I. Joe and shit and trying to make that all shared universe. I want them to take a big look at do you really believe that it's better to make 10 movies before you can show that you can make one movie. Mm -hmm. 
because that's not ever been how films have worked. Even most films that have been trilogies started out as one really good film, and then they proved themselves to be able to get the second and the third. Star Wars. Uh, fucking Back to the Future. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. Lots of movies that have drawn on to be successful. Friday the 13th. Uh, Halloween. It, it's like they didn't come out planning on being a huge number of films. They came out trying to be one movie, and, and the success of that one movie is what allowed them to continue. Definitely. Um, you can find other ways for us uh, to follow us um, by going to gncast.com slash subscribe. You can uh, join us on our Facebook page under Galactic Network. Um, you can follow us on, you can follow the show on Twitter or the network. The show is at Else Nerds. The uh, network is at Galactic Netcast on Twitter. Um, you can follow our producers at Beatmaster80 at Mr. Underscore Fusion. You can find Beatmaster under a bunker. Yes. Um, you know, hashtag keep Switzerland safe again. Um, you can find me at that Gregor or on what Instagram at that dot Gregor because I found out you can change your name on there. So fuck yeah, I did. And Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find the stuff that I help make. And and this is the thing is I sit here and I talk about other people's art every week, uh, be it on this show or be it on podcast of terror. And, uh, you're like, well, fuck you, Corey. Why don't you make something? Well, I, I have here and there. So you can go to donescomics.com. Now, not all that stuff is mine. A lot of that stuff is basically the works of Levi Krauss, who, uh, is a very dear friend of mine who I love and I love his work, but I did write some comics for him under, uh, Bowyer. Uh, you can also check out the other comics that he's done. Uh, Levi's World, Spells, the comic he shares with his friend Scott Hall, which is Shock. All those things get published there, donutscomics.com. Also, if you haven't heard me rant enough, I was on this past week's episode of Mind of a Geek over at igstudios.com or Geek Studios. I got to talk with Nate and Brandon for probably way too long for their tastes. Uh, the show, I think, is a healthy two hours but if you are a patreon supporters of theirs i think you can get the entire show which is almost five hours so wow be very happy i held back a little here yeah um also i should probably point out that you know you could find me you know what every week i do the comic book stuff for galactic radio but i was on the occasional show um you know before valentine's day i was on um trivia geeks where fucking I should have won, but my <laughs> goddamn captain didn't go all in and all that, and I aced the fucking third-round quiz. Son of a bitch. Um, Both of those shows are brought to us by Blazing Caribou Studios. Uh, Blazing Caribou, run by Carrie and Sean, two excellent people, uh, yes. certainly friends of, of not only this network, but of us, uh, people that we love. Sean's birthday, I think, was this weekend, too. Yes. I was on uh, Facebook. Sean's I miss everything. So happy belated birthday, Sean. Yes. Um, I, can't, I can't blame Sean because my original team captain was the, the guest host and all that because I was going to be with uh, Imram. Um, and, but yeah, so anyways, that's over at, um, at Trivia Geeks. Um, but the final thing to, to say is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or else Switzerland. This has been a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com.